Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us. As uh, we continue on in this series we're doing called From Nothing to Something. This series started in a verse in 1 Peter 2.10 that really caught my attention. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. And Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter, did such a great job in the first chapter and here into the second chapter of really laying out for us the benefits and the blessings of being a follower of Christ. And, and now he's, you know, he's sort of worked it into this spot here in 1 Peter 2 where he's talking about you know, our mission, our purpose, um, because of all these amazing blessings in our life. And, and uh, last week we said that um, we needed to be proclaimers of how amazing Jesus is. We need to be people that talk about his love and his mercy and his grace and his power and his compassion, um, his desire to um, heal and restore and make broken people whole again, um, and that this is the calling of our lives to be proclaimers of the goodness of God in Christ. And, and that's what we talked about last week, and we're going we're gonna to add a little more to that this week. So that's the intro. Transition. Always a bad joke or two. I, uh, I bought my friend an elephant for his room. He said, thanks. I said, don't mention it. That's really good. That never happens where you get it before him. <laughs> That's awesome. So my friend says to me, uh, what rhymes with orange? And I said, no, it doesn't. Those are really, I'm way over my game today. That's, those are really hot. Scripture reading. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's great. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. I appreciated them. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So we're talking about um, declaring the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We, we said, you know, why? But today I want to talk more about how. How do we do that? How can we be effective at declaring the praises of him who called us out of, out of darkness into his light? And so I want to start, point number one, by talking about the message of reconciliation. So point number one is the message of reconciliation. Let me read you this verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So, the message of reconciliation that's been committed to us, we've received it if we're in Christ, we've, we've connected with it, and, and once again, it's, it's the gospel, it's the good news, uh, it's the truth, and it's important that you know the gospel. If somebody asks you what the gospel is, one of the things I want you to know is the scripture reference that you can go to, and so I know we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I want to get it in front of you again. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6. These verses hold the gospel for us, the good news. 
uh, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Now, those verses hold the gospel message that, um, that um, he died for our sins, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the heart of the gospel. You have to, you have to hear that. You have to um, believe in that. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus did those things. That's how, that's how we get into this whole process in the kingdom. It's knowing that he died for our sins. You know, it's if you step back a little bit, it's realizing that our sins have separated us from God and we needed a way back. And we couldn't work our way back. He made a way back. He came, fully God, fully man, and, and made a way back for us. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's why um, we can be in relationship with God once again. And that it, when you know where those verses are, because another important thing that happens there is that after he defeated death, he took sin on, defeated death, rose again, um, he appeared to Peter, and he appeared to the twelve. And then, this is important, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers uh, at the same time. At that time, he appeared to 500 more. And as Paul was writing this, some 20 or 30 years after the actual event, he said many of them are still living. Why is that important? Eyewitnesses to the resurrection. There were lots of people who saw it. It wasn't just this little group who could have got together and said, this is what happened. There were hundreds of people involved in this, and most of them, he said, were still alive at the time that he wrote this. You could, and so he's saying, Paul is, you can go and ask them. If you, it's not just us. It's not just me saying this. There's hundreds of people around who witnessed this. So it's very important that we understand that that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what we're all about. We're gospel people. We're good news people. That's the heart of it all. Um, and we always want to get people to understand and hear that part of it because that's what they need to respond to. They have to respond to the gospel, the good news. And so, again, the heart of it is we've all sinned. God made a way for us in Christ to be reconciled to Him, died for our sins, was buried, third day, rose again, witnessed by hundreds of people. And so His perfect, sinless life was given in exchange for ours. He paid our sins, and because of that, we can now be reconciled God. Before we couldn't. Sin separated us from God. No way back. Can't work our way back. But now there's a way back in Christ for us to be reconciled to God. And, and then having accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, this, this amazing message of hope, which is what it is, has been committed to us. We're, we're to tell others so that they can be reconciled to God as well. That's the plan that, that Jesus left in place for us. He said, I, you know, I've made a way. Now you need to go and tell people that there's a way. And, um, I often think, and I don't know if you think this way too, but it's, it's really trusting <laughs> of God to leave it in with us. I mean, you know, look at us. So, so uh, and, and just like he left it with these guys that he was hanging around with initially, you know, there was a pretty ragtag group, right? And, he, and you guys, you're in charge now. You go and tell everybody. And they did. And the church has been doing that. It's been, this calling has been given to the church. And, and I love the idea, I, don't, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, how for the last 2,000 years, this has been the process. That the, and the church has been faithful to her mission because we're still here. And, and we're still doing the, the same thing. And it's, that's been the, the constant you know, thing of the church 
throughout these 2,000 years. We've been the people who've received the good news and who share the good news, and people respond to the good news, and they share the good news, and we keep going and going and going. And that's the amazing thing that we're having. So we're to, we're to tell others so that they can be reconciled as well. Uh, so, so how? Is, you know, we keep going. Well, here's a neat thing. Second point is this, that we're empowered by the Spirit. This is really cool. It's, even, it's, even, it's an amazing part of the good news. And we've talked about this, is not only are, are we, um, when we come to Christ, we're, we're justified. We've been saved, uh, just as if we'd never sinned. Amazing deal. Now we're, we're being saved because of sanctification. The Holy Spirit, God uh, comes and dwells in us. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to live this life. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so not only, you know, it's not like he just gave us his message, now go in your own strength and make it happen. We wouldn't, that would not work very well. Um, he says, I'm going to empower you to go. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we receive, the Holy Spirit comes as part of us coming to Christ, and one of the things that this, hope, this power comes, and He empowers us to live this life and to be His witnesses. And it started back then in Jerusalem, which is where it started, and then it spread out of there, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth, where it continues today. The church, as I said, is doing this thing. Um, but it, I love reading the book of Acts because you, you get to see it happen. You know, Jesus says it in chapter 1, this is going to happen, it's gonna, Jerusalem is going to start, Judea, Samaria, and it's exactly how it happens, you can watch it happen, and then to the very ends of the earth, Paul starts making these missionary trips, and the gospel is spreading, 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 and then the, the book of Acts comes to a close, um, in effect, and, and I want to be careful how I say this, and, and the canon is complete, we're not writing Bible, but the church continues on. And so the story still continues. We're not writing any more of it, but, but you get the idea. We're still a part of it. We're still a, so when I read Acts, I like to think that, you know, we're still a part of that. We're still a part of the church following through as people of mission. And this is the mission that we're to be proclaimers. We're to tell people this good news. We're to be witnesses. Now, I also like to think it like this, because this is important for the church. And we've, we've hit on this in a few different spots in this series, um, is that we're called to be witnesses not judges. It's right in there. You would be my witnesses. And there's a huge difference in the role of a witness than in the role of a judge. Huge difference. Uh, and, and, and so sometimes if we're not careful, um, the church will take on the role of judge instead of staying in the role of witness, and it doesn't fit us well because it makes us mean and critical, and we lose our impact in the world around us. Because they're not looking to be judged. They don't need to be judged. What they need is to be loved into um, the kingdom. They need to be people who hear the good news, which is really good news. And it's great news when we're sharing it as a witness to what it means to us. It's not well received when we're judging people for where they're at in the process. And, and so we have to be careful as the church that we get a hold of that. That we recognize the fact that all of us desperately need God. Just, just because I'm in, because I've, you know, been blessed to have encountered Jesus and have Him as my Lord and Savior and know that He's, he's with me and He's for me and, and, and I'm involved in a forever relationship doesn't mean that, that I don't every day realize how desperately I need Him. I'm, I'm not like, okay, now I have it figured out and so I'm going to just pick on everybody else. 
that, that don't know him, um, all of us, you know, desperately need God. And so, you know, I wake up with that realization, oh, I desperately need him in my life today. And, and I, I want other people to know him and to know what this life is like in him. And, and so, as proclaimers, we have to live this life before the world. So, so we get right with God in Christ, and then, you know, you, yeah, I know I say this every week, but then we try and live by doing what's right, right? By doing the next right thing. And we're not perfect, and so we don't need to run around pointing fingers of judgment at people. Um, we need to be loving and, and kind and compassionate the way Jesus was. And we live this thing out to the best of our ability. My, uh, our next series right after Easter is going to be, uh, I'm going to call it Living Invitations because I got stuck in another verse in 1 Peter 2, so I can't get out of it. 1 Peter 2.12 says we're to live such good lives among pre-Christians, is the best word, that it impacts them. And, and I, I was praying the other day, and, and uh, I just, I, I, that prayer came out of me. God, help us to be living invitations. And, and that's what, what it's supposed to look like. So you'll be hearing more about that as we move forward. So, so we're, we're, we're living invitations. We live this life, and, and we, we live it in a way where opportunities arise where we get to share this amazing things happening with people. And, uh, and we do that because, third, um, we're not ashamed of the gospel. Paul says this. Uh, it's a very interesting comment in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And here's why. Because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Paul says he's not ashamed. In fact, in the verses just before the one I just read you, uh, in verses 14 and 15, he says he's actually under an obligation to tell people the good news, just like we are. Romans 1, 14 and 15, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. He said, I, I'm obligated. Paul was so aware of the amazing gift of life he'd been given that he felt an obligation to share the good news with people because of all that Jesus had done for him. You know, Paul, when Paul looked at pre-Christians, he felt an obligation to help them, to love them, to encourage them and to share with them the good news so that they could come into the kingdom. He didn't look at the lost with contempt or disdain. He saw the beauty of their potential, and he wanted desperately to share the gospel with them so they could experience life in Jesus as well. And, and Paul had, you know, experienced the amazing grace of God and wanted to share it with others. And Paul had. The, the, the grace of God was amazing to Paul. I mean, Paul had been persecuting the church. He'd been actively having Christians arrested and carted off to jail. And, and uh, you know, when, when the uh, martyr Stephen was stoned, Paul was there um, giving, you know, permission for all those things. And, and God reaches down to him, and the amazing grace of God, Paul encounters Jesus post-resurrection, and it changes him completely to, to this life where he really did go everywhere and tell people about Jesus. Now, in Paul's day... Just like in ours, there are many pre-Christians who just don't want to hear. Um, Greeks, non-Greeks, foolish and wise alike, he's talking about, are often not interested in hearing about the love and the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 22 and 23. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, 
a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. So Paul said, even though he's eager to tell everybody, he keeps coming, he's encountering these people who don't want to hear it. And to many, it's, it's foolishness, and they, they don't want to hear it, and they don't want to share it. And today, just like back then, um, there's a tendency for people who don't want to hear it to try and shame you into silence. I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but I have, and I'm sure most of you have. And I hear things like this all the time. Now it's, well, it's 2017. How can you believe in fairy tales like that? How, how can you believe in a, in, a, in a Bible? How can you believe in a, in a, in a book where a fish swallows a man? Do you, believe, look, do you really believe that? And I'll say, yeah, I do believe that. But how, how can you believe that God came in the flesh? How do you believe that? And the list goes on and on and on with things that they, they challenge. Uh, and and uh, they, they think that you know, there's no way in this day and age you can actually believe that. And I, you know, so I do believe it. And, and uh, so, you know, what do we do? How do we overcome that? Because they're trying to shame us into silence. And what has to happen is the, the reality over, overshadows the shame. The reality is that there's only one way for people to be reconciled to a holy God. That's it. One way. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The early church believed that. In Acts 4.12, they said, salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which... We must be saved. So they got it. They knew that was, that was people's, everybody needed that. And, and see, it's only the good news, it's only the gospel that can bring spiritually dead people to life. Only Jesus can solve the separation that sin has caused between us and a holy God. Even saying that, some people will say, well, that seems awfully intolerant. Seems arrogant. Who, who do you think you are? You should be ashamed of yourself. And again, I, I think of that verse that Paul said, I'm 116, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Because it's it. It's the answer. It's the only one. It's the, what people need to hear and know. I'm not ashamed. I'm obligated because of what he's done for me. If we go silent, there's no hope for the lost. No, it needs to be loving. It, it, it's got to match the way we live. All those things as the Spirit's working in us need to match out. We need to make sure we're not living as judges, but we're living as, as witnesses. It has to be love and grace-filled. But we have to share this incredible message that, that we understand. It's our calling. It's our purpose. It's the reason that when we get saved, we're not zapped into heaven. Um, we're citizens of heaven already, and, and yet we, we're, this is what we do. We tell other people this good news. I saw this great little, little letter I want to close with. It was a, uh, somebody writing to Billy Graham. And uh, his initials are TD. That's all it said in the thing. But here's the actual thing that he wrote, Billy Graham. He said, is there any sin that God can't forgive? I worry about this because I've led kind of a rough life. And I, I can't imagine God just wiping the slate clean, so to speak, and forgiving all the bad things that I've done. Signed, TD. Billy Graham wrote him back, Dear TD, the only sin God cannot forgive is the sin of refusing to turn to Him and accept His forgiveness. To put it another way, the only sin God can't forgive is the sin of unbelief. So, there's something about taking that in that, that God is so amazing that everybody's mess He's willing to take care of. He's, he paid for it all on the cross. The only thing that keeps you at, at a distance from God is not hearing and responding to the good news. It's the only thing. 
which is why it's so important for us to be people that share it, to be people that live it to the best of our ability. None of it do it perfectly, and then really to, to make sure we're living as witnesses, not as judges, loving people into the truth that we found in Him. That's what's so important, and that's how those things really tie together. And so, you know, this week, just, just think about that. Lord, help me to help me to live this thing out, to not be ashamed, to, to, to love people well, and to pray for opportunities to share. So I pray like that. I hope you do. Too. I pray that people will ask me. I pray that all the time. I pray that it becomes very apparent and that people kind of will come up and just ask me. And do you know that happens often? You think, oh, no. I have people sometimes right out of the blue walk up to me and say, I want to know Jesus. It happens. And, and I've got to be careful not to take it for granted because I and sometimes they'll even go, what, really? You, you sure you know what you're asking for? <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know how hard sometimes that takes? And here... I need to know Jesus. It happened just the other day at the chili cook-off. I don't know if I told you this story or not, but I, 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 we prayed to the start the food at chili cook-off, and somebody walked up to me out of the blue and said, I need to know Jesus. Okay, here's what you need to know. Shared the good news with him, prayed, and he was in. How cool is that? But, but we need to pray for those things. So think about that this week and, uh, and sort of let those things, and really that part about being witnesses, not judges, really important because it makes a big difference in presenting the gospel. If you're watching by video, thank you. And uh, come and visit us when you can. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page, and we will pray for you, and we will see you as soon as we can.